Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called Rightly Divide the Word of God for the People of God. We have been making our way through the book of Ephesians together. And um, as you know, this is my second time through the book, and I explained all that in the introduction. Uh, but I am still learning, growing, going, and I pray that you are as well. Um, today I want to pick up in verse number 10. I'm backing up just a little bit. In session 4, I looked at verses 10 through 12. Session number 5, I looked at verses 13 through 14. But I saw something very interesting back in verse number 10 that I want to focus on. Verse number 10 says, well, let's go ahead and read just a little bit for context. I love context. It kind of gets me back into it. Um, verse number, let's see, verse number, uh, verse number eight. We'll see. Man, if you look in Ephesians, Paul doesn't like periods very much. A lot of commas. <laughs> Matter of fact, the last period. Um, it was in verse number two. <laughs> so in verse number three, he picked up and said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, uh, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, or on earth, even in him. Um, there is a lot of disagreement about when the fullness of times is or when the fullness of times will be. I have always thought that the fullness of times would be when Christ would bring everything together would be in the millennial reign, would be in that thousand-year reign. And bear in mind, as dispensationalists, we see a rapture coming up, which will be the end of the dispensation of grace, or what some refer to as the dispensation of the church. It'll end there, and then God will turn his attention back to the nation of Israel in Daniel's 70th week that we call the Great or the Tribulation, which is divided up between tribulation and great tribulation, between three and a half and three and a half years. And then that'll culminate with the second coming of Christ and the establishment of his thousand-year millennial reign on earth. And some would say that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he will gather all things together in one, in Christ, both which are heaven and earth, would be fulfilled during that millennial reign of Christ. But I want to back up and just take a little bit uh, a little bit of closer look at that because, again, there's a lot of disagreement about when the fullness of times is or will be. By its very definition, uh, it, it can't be referring to time that still needs uh, to be fulfilled 
or at least let me say it this way, it can't be referring to time that needs to be fulfilled that we know about. Um, in other words, that's not included in Scripture. Um, as such, it would seem that it must be referring to a time that we don't know about. Um, and we know about all the way up to the thousand-year reign of Christ. Matter of fact, we know how the thousand-year reign of Christ is going to end. The Revelation tells us about that. Um, so this seems to be referring to something that is beyond what we know about or what is beyond the Messianic kingdom, uh, beyond Revelation 22, you know, beyond anything that we could possibly know. Um, and, and again, it'll be during this time that he will gather together in one all things in Christ. And that will be all things which are in heaven and all things which are on earth, even in him. It'll be under his leadership, both the earthly promises made to Israel and the heavenly promises made to the body of Christ. Um, so again, I think it's ref it's describing a time beyond our purview, beyond what we know, which would be beyond the thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, because when you look in Revelation, I mean, Revelation tells us, you know, how the thousand-year reign is going to end and, and what's going to happen. But then it gets fuzzy. We don't know beyond Revelation chapter number 22. I mean, that's when the book ends. So when you look at it that way, the dispensation of the fullness of time, I mean, once it's completely full, everything he's told us about has taken place, that's when he's going to gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and both which are in the earth. Matter of fact, the NIV translates it to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. So once everything we know about, everything that's prophesied about has been, has reached their fulfillment, this is what this is referring to. And it will be during this time that he will gather together in one all things that are in Christ. And again, this will include both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Again, it'll be under his leadership. All the promises made to Israel, all the promises made to the body of Christ. Matter of fact, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 seems to be referring to this time because it says in Philippians 2, verse number 9, Wherefore God hath also exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things under the earth, or things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, this seems to be referring to this time, um, because it will only be then that this will be literally fulfilled, what he's talking about there. Because bear in mind, during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, is everybody going to be following Christ? 
No, there's going to be people that are not following the Lord. There's going to be people, I mean, you, if you've ever studied the book of Revelation, there's going to be people that do not follow uh, his kingship, who he has to rule with a rod of iron. Uh, and again, there'll be rebellion during the thousand-year reign of Christ, and and the Lord will quash that rebellion. So so again, this 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 can't be fulfilled. The fulfillment of this, to me, cannot be the thousand-year reign of Christ, because it's only then when the Lord uh, quashes all of that, then you bet every knee will bow. You know, you bet uh, everything in heaven, everything in the earth, everything on the earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So I don't see this being fulfilled, and I think I said this, I think I I, I, in session four, I, I said that this is fulfilled during the kingdom. No, I don't, I don't think it's fulfilled during the kingdom. It's going to be fulfilled after the kingdom. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So that may be referring to that as well. Uh, it's when everything is is at his feet in submission to him. And again, that doesn't take place during the millennial reign of Christ. Um, Hebrews 2, 5 through 8, just showing some proof texts that I've Discovered for unto the angels hath he put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. And again, there's rebellion during the thousand year reign of Christ. As a matter of fact, that rebellion will be put down at the culmination of the thousand year reign of Christ. Uh, in uh, verse six, Hebrews two, but but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him lower than the angels, or a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, and you did set him over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, and he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So again, they're not going to be put all under him until the, until I guess what we would call eternity that would take place after the thousand year reign of Christ. So again, this seems to be describing a time after the thousand year reign of Christ. And I, I think I, when I, when I did session four, I said this will be fulfilled during the thousand year reign of Christ. This is fulfilled after that. Um, another interesting note. And I might have pointed this out. I know I pointed this out, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's that word dispensation. You know, um, all of the other translations, with the exception of the new king, because the new king and the old king come off the same set of uh, of, uh, of, tra- of manuscripts, um, avoid that word dispensation. And, you know, they they kind of mockingly, uh, talk about you and me, you know, we're backward, you know, dispensationalists, but it's in the Bible, folks. Um, and then verse verse 11, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance being predestinated 
excuse me, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Again, inheritance concerns place, possession, and position. Okay? Inheritance concerns place, possession, and position that are received by heredity. It's not something that you earn. It's something that you're born into. Um, And, you know, we find different uh, hints of this inheritance Uh, in Ephesians when we get over into chapter 3, verse number 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ, how? By the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So this is an inheritance that we are going to receive as a result of being in Christ. And Paul goes on to say that we have this inheritance as joint heirs because we have been predestined to it. How? By the counsel of his own will. And I pointed this out many times. Predestination has nothing to do with salvation or not receiving salvation. Predestination has everything to do with destiny or a destination. Predestined. It's a destiny that we are destined to receive because we are in Christ. And it is by the counsel of his own will. So we have this inheritance because we are children of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. So again, this inheritance is something we are destined to receive because we are in Christ. So again, the word predestined is not referring to heaven or hell, but to things he has for us who have been called, responded, and chosen, as we mentioned earlier. And it's by the counsel of his own will. A counsel is, in essence, a meeting of the minds. God, in in eternity past, the Godhead, set everything into motions, into motion. It was all predetermined by God. So God not only knows everything that is going to happen, but he has also predetermined everything that is going to happen. And it is according to the purpose of him. And we talked about that last time, that we should be to the praise of his glory in verse 12, who first trusted in Christ. So why has God determined all of this for us? that those of us who have trusted in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The whom in this verse, in whom ye also received, is a reference to Christ who was trusted in the previous verse. So the word trusted there in the KJV is italicized, meaning it was not there in the original text, but the translators put it there to make it clearer. But I I don't think it was necessary because without it, it would read, in whom ye also after that ye heard the word of truth. So it doesn't change the meaning at all. Um, 
verse number 14. I'm not going to get bogged down because I've already talked about all this. Uh, which is the earnest in verse 14 of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So after that sealing, there's a guarantee of our inheritance. When does the sealing take place? At the moment of faith. After that sealing, there's a guarantee of our inheritance that will be given when we are redeemed which is the earnest of our inheritance, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So that makes it future. It hasn't happened yet. So that ceiling is a guarantee of what is going to happen when we are redeemed. And I believe that that redemption will take place at the rapture of the church. In uh, Philippians 3, verse number 20, For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, this is a future event, shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. Um, so, and how does this happen? After hearing the word of truth, the word of truth, Randy White points out something about this point, uh, that trust can only come after hearing the word of truth. The gospel must be shared with words because the gospel is not love that can be displayed, but logic that must be accepted by faith. That's important. You know, I've heard people say, there's a quote, uh, share the gospel with all men, if necessary, use words. You're going to have to use words, <laughs> okay? You're going to have to use words. I mean, they're going it, to, it, he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. It is the spoken word. It is the word of truth. The truth is going to have to be spoken in order to be accepted, okay? And again, uh, that is is point on, in my opinion, and it aligns with Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, where it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Paul goes on to say, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay, so the word is going to have to be spoken. Again, the word of truth for the body of Christ today is simple. It's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 4. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This message must be shared with words, not just action. Now, action, you need the action, no doubt about that, but you got to open your mouth. And I think too many times we try to quote nice little things like share the gospel with all men and if necessary, use words. Well, maybe I don't have to use words. 
you're going to have to use words. I mean, people look at you, they see what you're doing. Uh, they see you serving the Lord. They see how you respond to adversity. They see your love for fellow man. They see all these things in your life. They see that you go to church. They see that you're different. And eventually, you're going to have to share why. And you're going to have to share how. Um, and again, notice that it says, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the order of salvation is, you hear, you believe, you are sealed. <laughs> okay? You hear, you believe, you are sealed until the day of redemption. That word sealed means to stamp for security or preservation. In the book of Revelation, we see just that. You know, the 144,000 are sealed during the tribulation period. But that sealing is very different than the sealing here. I mean, it is a protective seal. I mean, the 144,000 who are all Jews, it's during the tribulation period. They are sealed on their foreheads with supernatural protection so that they can't be harmed until they are harmed because they eventually will be overcome uh, by uh, the Antichrist. Um, but it's the same type of security or, 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 or for preservation uh, that God places on us. It is the earnest of our inheritance. This sealing is spoken of in Ephesians 4, verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. This is just one of many reasons that I believe in eternal security. Um, and any argument that is made against this is the result of wrongly dividing. It Obviously, if we can rightly divide, then we can wrongly divide. Um, anyone who says you can lose your salvation, they're pulling it out of the Gospels. They are pulling it out of the Hebrew epistles. They are not pulling it out of the writings of Paul, the Pauline letters. Um, so the primary point of this verse is not the inheritance, but the sealing. And the sealing is the promise of preservation. The spirit of promise is received how? By faith and not works. He's going to tell us when we get to Galatians chapter 3, verse number 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So it comes simply by promise, not by keeping of the law. It comes simply by faith, and faith alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then notice it says, until the redemption of the purchased possession. Um, so again, that word redemption is apulotrosis. It's also used ten times in the King James, three of them right here in the book of Ephesians and it's a compound word, which means an act of ransom. It is an act of ransom. I find it significant because who normally pays the ransom? The one to whom it originally belonged. We, the body of Christ, are the purchased possession that was ransomed, that was redeemed. And again, redemption refers to our being delivered from corruption, um, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God, by the way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23, Ye are bought with a price, 
be not ye the servants of men. So again, it is a deliverance from corruption. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you were sealed until the day of redemption. Romans 8.23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. And that'll be culminated with the rapture of the church. And he purchased us to the praise of his glory. Wherefore, verse number 15, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints. So Paul is pleased by their faith and their love for one another. And as a result, he says, I cease not in verse number 16 to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So as a result, he's thankful for them and he prays for them. What is his prayer? Verse number 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So his prayer is that the Ephesian believers would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom, by definition, is just good sense. Um, And it comes by experience. Um, That word experience is life. life, uh, You gain experience by life sense or by experience. So wisdom is good sense. Revelation is a revealing or an enlightenment and knowledge. So he says the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of good sense and enlightenment that comes in the knowledge or the condition of being aware of something, information. So in the wisdom and revelation in the information that you know about him. So his prayer is that we would have a spirit of good sense and enlightenment that comes only through a knowledge of him. Man, that explains a lot (laughs) in the wicked world in which we live because there is no wisdom in revelation. They do not know him. If you don't know him, you don't have wisdom. If you don't know him, you don't have that revelation. Um, you know, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you want all that, you got to be, you got to know him. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you so understand, if you don't fear God, then you're not going to have wisdom. <laughs> if you don't fear God, you're not going to have revelation. And then in Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find 
the knowledge of God. You see, people today reject God. So when you reject God, you reject wisdom, you reject revelation, you reject understanding, you reject knowledge. And that's where you fall. And then he says in verse number 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You see, the world we live in has no hope because they don't know that God has called them or to what God has called them. They're wandering around trying to figure out what they are. You know, they, they wander around trying to find their purpose. Your purpose can only be found in Christ. So he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So Paul's prayer that he prayed for the ones who had faith in the Lord Jesus and had love to all the saints in verse 15 was that through the knowledge of God, they would have, verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that their eyes now in verse 18 would be open to the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in all the saints. So what is the hope of his calling? He goes on to mention this calling two more times in the book. In Ephesians 4.1, he's going to say, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. In Ephesians 4, 4, he's going to say, there is one body, there's one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. So his prayer is that we would have our eyes opened, our eyes enlightened, so that we can know what is the hope of his calling. So if your eyes are never open, they're never going to be enlightened, and you're going to never know what is the hope of his calling. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 18 when he said, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he was called. He spoke of this in Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and callings of God are without, what does he say, without repentance. In other words, God doesn't change his mind. Notice that we are also what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. To me, that just means that Paul's prayer is that the Gentile believers would be able to see just what a rich inheritance God has for them. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Remember, God loves you. What's best for you is working all things out for our good.